This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies, as we roll on through what will be your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. Oh, I'm going to take things here and you know, kind of, you know, Absolutely, listener questions tomorrow. Didn't have a chance. I mean, yesterday I didn't have a chance to get to any of those. Um, basically, letting it all marinate here 24 hours, you know, in where we are now. Your host, Jeff Floyd from SI.com, Browns Maven, Pete Smith, obviously. Um, for book collection on the biggest story in Browns Wise for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Um, first things first, uh, Pete, you put out a great piece this morning and I think you did a great job of kind of contextualizing it, breaking it down, explaining it. Did it hit the mark or did the same folks come running with their, you know, with essentially with their torches? There's, you know, look, I knew when I wrote it, there was going to be a certain population that just isn't going to listen to that. Right over or didn't want to buy it. Content, perfectly content to live in in, in in a weird reality where Hugh Jackson uh, had no control over anything and was a victim. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I, there were a lot of people who, you know, provided positive feedback and were, you know, some people said they, you know, they, they, they were happy to understand just how uh, dysfunctional certain things were with it. So, I mean, you know, it, it, uh, if you like, if you go on Reddit, you can find out basically every every end of the spectrum. So you know, I'm I'm never surprised. Although some of the takeaways from that was were fascinating in terms of the uh, conclusions they drew from what I wrote. Uh, but overall, you know, good stuff. Yeah, and I, I mean, I thought you did a fantastic job with it. And it's actually nice, Pete. I mean, it seems like you're actually getting to the point now where it's a lot more positive reviews as opposed to uh you know screw pete yada 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 and um you know even for a guy who's you know just a fan you know pete because you know apparently you're one of those and somebody that worked in the building but apparently you know whatever whatever any of that was um and for all of those of you who all of this feels like such an arranged marriage pete we tried to discuss this where there were interviews here and kevin stefanski bet a spent a bunch of time with Cleveland Browns folks over the last two years before he even went through this process of getting hiring Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, um, we're fans of each other. And apparently Pete, they've known each other damn near a decade. And, you know, it's, and good for Andrew, who's never been part of a winning organization, even though he's been with Indianapolis, even though he's been with Philadelphia, he's never been in a winning room. Apparently. I mean, guys, just Google, use Wikipedia, freaking do something. Because, you know, I mean, we try to accommodate everybody, but if you guys aren't even going to do your homework and you're just out there just throwing crap out, it gets annoying. But, Pete, like we said, there was mutual interest here between these two gentlemen. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this was a thing last year, but we've gotten more insight since then, which is uh, very nice in that, you know, not only do they, did they, you know, have were they familiar with each other due to uh, – uh, getting to know each other through the interviews in last year, but Barry was essentially the the lead guy on sort of 
learning about and, and researching and getting all the info they needed on Stefanski in the first place. So, yeah, um, the notion that this was sort of forced on Stefanski is just simply, you know, not true, not remotely true. Uh, you know, the idea is here is that, you know, the, the Jimmy Deep, that, uh, that uh, Paul De Podesta essentially manipulated uh, the other people in the hiring process to his whim uh, to, to make this thing happen, which, you know, whatever, I, I'm sure there's some element of he's, he's smart and can make a point and can be very uh, influential from that standpoint. But, uh, you know, there, there's always going to be a group that was just never going to be happy um, with this because, they, you know, one, some of them, we're wanting McDaniels. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Some were, were trying to, um, you know, just didn't feel like it was an honest process. You know, I, 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 you know that's, I, there's, I don't think there's going to be a winning with those people um, at this point. I'll be honest. Of- if Josh McDaniels became the head coach here, that would have been the question about whether or not it was an honest process. You can certainly make the case because ownership was uh, leaning that way from the word go. I mean, the, the thing was, again, I think we've mentioned this. Chris Cooper was hired under John Dorsey, so I don't know where his, you know, his opinion was at. But uh, you know, Deepa Desta was in on Stefanski ahead of time. Ownership was already in on McDaniel's. So I mean, you had at least two camps, potentially three. Maybe Cooper's uh, somebody who's pushing for a guy like Robert Sala, and that's where that that was coming from. I don't know, but the bottom line or is... Even the, or maybe even the slight rumors for the Bills offensive coordinator, because he's looking at it strictly from the football guy type of mentality. But go ahead. Yeah, but, but, so, I mean, they, they didn't need a dog and pony show to, to get to this if this is what they wanted to do. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it, it wasn't... They could have just said, screw it. We're going to, you know, we're going to interview a couple guys and go hire Stefanski. That's usually how that stuff works. Um, so I, I don't, I just don't think they, they did a song and dance to the tune of eight candidates to then just hire Stefanski if that was what they were going to do from the word go. It just doesn't make any sense. And then the GM situation, look, they had uh, the head coaches allegedly was reported that they basically had three. GM candidates they all picked, and they interviewed three GM candidates. Were these the three on that list? I assume so. Uh, and if that's the case, then they interviewed the guys that Stefanski was interested in and came out with one of them. That was kind of the point. So, again, there's an element of this that people are, are going to be mad. And, and I have no issue with the people who are saying, show me wins, or, or I'm skeptical, and I just want to see it work out. But oh, I think, hey, freaking men. But I mean, we yeah, have I mean, to report on the fine. news of the day. We got to report on what we're doing. Right. I just, I, I just don't subscribe to the, the conspiracy theory nature of this whole thing because it just doesn't hold any water. Because literally, if he truly went with what Paul D. Podesta, you know, went aligned with him, there only needed to be an interview with Andrew Barry because you do need to obviously, you know, suffice, you know, satisfy a Rooney rule as far as a head coach search or a general manager search. Andrew Barry hiring him would have taken care of all that in one swelt boot done over. 
And you could have said, all right, we'll, you know, we'll make Eric Barry, Eric B. Enemy come here like so many other teams did, not just Cleveland. We'll talk with Eric B. Enemy. And then we will just go ahead and hire Kevin Stefanski. Um, again, didn't happen. Um, you know, and here it is. I mean, obviously it was January 27th where you finally had your general manager named. Still don't have an offense coordinator or a defense coordinator. Kind of makes you wonder where that's exactly going to line up. Um, probably know a little more, I would say, by Sunday, Monday, perhaps at the latest. Um, so obviously we got all that stuff coming for you. But you know, in just having them all together, and and you see them today, and, and I'll tell you right now, Pete, them nerds can grow some beards. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I mean, they, we all aspire to have. Everybody aspires to have beards like Kevin, Andrew, and myself. I understand, um, but <laughs> some people just don't have the the virility necessary to uh, grow a, a full thick beard like we do. Uh, including one of the people on this podcast who struggles with uh, I, I can rock that crap well for about, and actually I was a little disingenuous today, about day 13, day 14. doesn't grow thick. It kind of ends up growing long. Um, yeah. But also, you know, us girl dads, we got to look good. So that goes along with that. And everything with that today, uh, everybody, you know, that, pretty cool. And, you know, look, man, it, it's it's different when you're, raising a child of the opposite sex and because you're not familiar with it it's nothing you went through so there's a lot of you know i'm the parent these are the rules i gotta lay down but it's also you know you're seeing a completely different side of yourself which is it's fun it's interesting and times you want to rip your damn hair out no doubt about it but there is all of that aspect of it we got a lot more coming here we got a ton of listener questions uh i know obviously you guys have been waiting and you know for us you know to put something out for monday just wasn't the time and, uh, you know, obviously not back now. Business is running. Uh, so more coming here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Obviously, with this being a Wednesday episode, what's good about Wednesdays? That's what B said. Uh, the girls, uh, whether it's Brittany, whether it's Bree, whether it's Meredith, uh, always fantastic time. Uh, they do it their way. Um, it's unique because of the three personalities. They have a lot of fun with it. But at the same time, you know, they give you strong opinions. And it should be fun tomorrow. Uh, it should be real fun. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I think Brittany's going to have herself a good time. The ladies do a fantastic job on iTunes, any, obviously, uh, podcasting app. Where you listen, check out. That's what B said. Sisters are always busting their butts. And uh, it makes Wednesdays a little easier to get on through because, again, they do it with fun. They do it unique. Make sure you're checking out the girls. So we're going to through here with some listener questions and obviously we've uh we've got a bunch in first things first uh, giovanni Ravis, always appreciate you geo you know that pete um look a fullback season's here one was brought in today and uh first things first you're gonna stand in front of the building and take a picture of yourself with a t-shirt that says part wolf i think i'm already in pete well he's interesting i mean he uh, former nebraska and unlv quarterback uh, that came out in the draft as you know, tested as an outside linebacker and became a fullback. Um, you know, he at the very least, he's been with Minnesota for the better part of two years. Uh, he should certainly understand the the offense that uh, Stefanski wants to to run and and should help with the the running back room in that in that uh, in that sense. So. 
you know, we'll see what he does. Uh, the, uh, you know, this is an interesting year for the fullback position. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Browns um, bring in somebody uh, that may not play that position and move them into a fullback type deal, which is how they got to him in the first place. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the guy I would love to have back that I think would fit this would be Dan Vitale, uh, who Stefanski saw twice play for the Packers. Uh, you know, I, look, I mean, that's a name. Um, it's something you're going to look into. And obviously, this is going to be something that's going to be addressed. And, you know, as Pete mentioned, you know, being down in Mobile, and as we had actually, you know, we've talked about, it's um, it's kind of weird um, when Mobile doesn't give you, I mean, in Jim Nagy's a little bit of a throwback guy. Um, there was a reason there weren't many there. And, you know, it is obviously, it's this is more of a kind of go out and create yourself a fullback and find somebody, um, you know, I mean, at worst, maybe you could find sometimes where if it was, you know, third and short, you know, a guy like Sione Taki, Sione Taki Taki, you could say, hey, just, you know, <laughs> run up between the center of the guard and first thing you see, just absolutely explode into it. But uh, obviously they use it a little bit more than that. From uh, at Yabo171, Kenneth, uh, the PF, PFT uh, Pro Football Talk story about Barry having roster control during game week. Is that a true story or not? Um, and if so, you think you think it's a good idea or not? It may be just saying that you know this is the guy who's going to hand over the card. But what they're saying here is you know it should be a unified front, and these guys are going to sit down and weigh the pros and cons and the X's O's. Or we need this guy, and it may cost this guy this week. But a lot of that, it I mean, it becomes a lot of nonsense almost so much because injuries and, and there's so much more that goes into it. And look, my, one week you might need to carry a six DB because whatever team you're facing that week, you know, is averaging 360 yards passing a game or the week you're playing the Ravens, you know, all right, I might need an extra safety this week or an extra linebacker because we got to do something here because even if these guys play Lamar well, they're going to get tired. We need an extra body here. I mean, th- that's really n- neither here nor there to put too much stock into at this point. He's supposed to have, roster control during the game week he he's responsible for the 53 and then uh Stefanski's responsible for the 46 on game day that's that's how it goes um but again the, you know the idea here is that they work together and are on the same page so that this doesn't you know isn't a huge issue to have to do that that's that's you know that, that that's where the, the whole being on the same page thing is supposed to matter and even still, though, but I mean, part of this comes down to, and, you know, you go back to, obviously, you know, Justin Burris being coming back. You know, we're in a really tight spot. We need a freaking safety. Well, Justin Burris is available. Justin Burris knows our system. Or you go to, you know, oh, wow, we need a D lineman this week. We need to tackle. We go to our D line coach. Oh, my God, there's somebody available who might know the system already. He knows the calls. I mean, it, it, a lot of that stuff kind of just, you know, the minutia of it and how everybody plays it out. Um, but you, you know, if there's somebody that has a connection to your positional coach who may already know what the hell is going on, and you know, that's how these things kind of come to pass. I mean, you know, otherwise it's you know, well, we need somebody here. Okay, well, this is a list of names. All right, get him on a plane, get him on a plane, get him on a plane. And also a part of it is though, let's work him out. All right, well, this guy completely out of shape, he's off the freaking board. And all right, we'll try him, we'll try him. And if you don't see anything out of any of them, all right, screw it. There's no reason to, you know, go crazy here. Um, well, we have, we have this guy in the practice squad we like. We'll just bump him up for the week. 
Um, way too much to even really even go running with that now. Um, but it's not a terrible question. But, you know, and I think part of it is a lot of people have their fears of, oh, my God, is the 32-year-old guy going to be in charge of everything? He's the GM. Uh, you know, there's a good chance he's going to be in charge of a lot. Um, as it relates to the Browns specifically, what is the order at the moment of your top offensive tackles in the draft? Um, as you guys know, you know, we like to take this process out and get everything. Obviously, you know, once, you know, February 27th starts the combine after that, you have a better feel of things, um, for guys that don't participate in the NFL combine, it makes it difficult. But Pete, I think we'd be in agreement here, whether it's right tackle, left tackle, you're looking at some sort of combination of your top five of Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, um, Obviously, Alabama. Uh, God, why is his name escaping me? Alabama, and then obviously Mackay Becton and Josh Jones from Houston. Those are going to be your top five. Question is going to be, and this is where the combine is going to come in key here. Um, you know, and everybody wants to maybe write off Beck, Becton due to his size. He's going to move well. I think it's going to come down to Pete. You know, of these top five, and I guess if we're talking probably ten here in this instance, is who is the most athletic and who you know in their opinion, is a guy that they, you know, is going to make, obviously not every block, not everybody makes every single block, who's going to make 95% or plus of them. Right. Um, so I am of the opinion that, uh, you know, we'll see where it ends up. I, I think Werps, uh, Becton, and Thomas are the three I like the best at this point. Um, we shall see where those guys end up. Um, I'm, I'm not as high on wills, at least for what they're doing. It's not to say he can't do it. I'm just not as high on. It looks a little bit more like a barroom brawler. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and we'll see, I mean, it's theoretically possible that I could like the other kid from Georgia over wills when we get through this, just based on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, of the, I, I'm of the belief that, uh, Andrew Thomas is a giant already. So that may be affecting my thought process on this whole thing. But uh, yeah, to me, I, I'm just hoping that we get to 10 and Werfs and Werfs and Becton are sitting there and they can pick one. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where it goes. Um, and look, I mean, just, I, I think there's plenty of guys and, you know, Hey, these quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, thank you for having a fantastic week down in Mobile. Do appreciate it. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. I pray to God you're a top nine player. Um, all of that, um, it should work out. Um, and obviously I know there's one of these here, Pete, are we ready to trade down for 10 for more picks? And this is the thing guys, you know, Andrew Barry has been part of two regimes. And if you want to do anything, and if you want to say anything, Andrew Barr, Andrew Barry is part of two regimes, Pete, that essentially didn't go heavy on offensive tackle, but you got to think the guy who's pretty intelligent and who's now in charge He's not blind, um, and it's not that he hates offensive tackles, but maybe now, you know, this maybe is the big need here. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I'm always a fan of trading down and acquiring more picks, but I, I just don't expect that's going to be the case. Unless, but even you know, still, they, look, if they traded down to 12 and still got a tackle, shut the hell up. I mean, you play the game, and, and obviously you played how it's, how it's dealt to you, just – everybody's freaking out 90 days ahead of time. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, I mean, again, there's always situations where trading down is a great option, in my opinion. Uh, but and if if there's a weird situation where suddenly there's a bunch of offensive tackles sitting there, and uh, they haven't, you know, and and they feel like they can move down a few spots and add another one or, or get one of them and add some more assets, then I'm all for it. The thing is, I don't expect will be the I don't expect that to be the case. I do think that's what they're going to take, and uh, I don't think they're going to move down from there. They move may move down from other picks or try to add other assets because they need more picks. Uh, but again, I I, I I don't sit here thinking to myself that uh, you know the the notion of adding uh, picks and moving down in the draft is somehow bad, considering some of the best teams in the league do it. No, I mean, you play the hand as it is dealt. And look, if they are absolutely infatuated with just one of these offensive tackles and he's there at 10, um, and this is the thing when you do things analytically is you probably are going to fall in love with a certain tackle because it's, you know, on the field, the tape, tested well within what we need from a tackle. And it's the, hey, checked out. And the other thing is, he's not 23, he's 21. And there's room for growth here as a player within his body. Bang, 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 bang. It all matches up. Oh, my God, he's here at 10. Don't even pick up the phone. Uh, you know, don't answer any calls. Our only call here is in, obviously, with the pick. From uh, AJ2020, free agent targets that realistically fit, such as D-line, safety, and wide receiver. Um, we'll start here, wide receiver. It's... And I guess I can understand it, Um, you know, in a perfect world, maybe, you know, things work out and Rashard can stay. But I think also part of this is going to be on Rashard. And, you know, is he just done with the situation? Um, You know, look, A.J. Green, you know, I pretty God, they, and they let A.J. Green the hell out of the mess. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, Devin Funches, uh, Amari Cooper, some of your bigger names. They start moving on down, you know, Chester Rogers, uh, Robbie Anderson. Geronimo Allison, Matthew Slater, um, Matthew Slater. That's a good one. Um, Pete, here is one interesting one. And he's not going to bring size, which probably, you know, Browns fans won't like because he won't be a red zone target. Philip Dorsett. Um, I mean. Draft him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. I, I don't love it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm hoping the answer is going to come from within, uh, as opposed to going that route, but, uh, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Um, yeah, Dorsett's interesting and it gives you a very, a, a very specific deep threat. Um, I am, uh, I don't know the other ones. I mean, I, I'd love Matthew Slater. I just don't see how New England's going to give him up. Yeah. Uh, not after all this time. Um, you know. And you want to talk about, you know, obviously, um, you know, guys with a special team resume and <laughs> who, uh, <laughs> you know, and because it's funny because like this whole estate, the Hall of Fame stuff comes up and, uh, you know, Deion Sanders even today with the, uh, they're putting too many people in Hall of Fame, which, you know, first thing I did is, oh, my God, Deion Sanders is talking like Pete Smith because it's kind of where it is at that. Um, you look at MLB, it's, you know, two and maybe in a really good year, it's three. Um, you know, NFL, it's, hey, how long can we make this celebration? Let's get nine guys up in here. Well, it, it's, 
I don't necessarily think they put too many in. I just think they put the wrong ones in. There's too many guys that don't belong in the Hall of Fame in the Hall of Fame. There are guys who belong in the Hall of Fame that aren't. And it is getting easier. And it's frustrating how much easier it's getting uh, from, from the outside looking in. And there are some really average dudes. Um, and that's, you know, that's not what it's supposed to be, at least you'd think. So, yeah, I find it irritating. I think there should be basically a wing of the, or like a, a room, a basement of some sort, where you put guys like Jerome Bettis and, uh, John Lynch. John, well, if John Lynch goes in, uh, but, uh, like Bob Greasy, you know, those type of guys who just, they're in there, but they have no business being in the Hall of Fame. I'm with you. And one for me is, is honestly probably Phil Sims. Um, Phil Sims is in there and you know, those Giants teams were, they ran the ball. Well, they really were good defensively. You know, I, I don't see, you know, for me, no, Phil Sims, not a Hall of Famer, not a Hall of Famer. And uh, to continue here on uh, obviously AJ's point, uh, defensive tackle class. Um, and there, I know there's another question here tied into it as far as Larry Ogunjobi and, and it's great that Larry has this campaign about, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know what, I don't want to say obesity, but be, taking care of yourself and, you know, kids being, you know, not overweight and all of that stuff, you know, it may have hurt him a little bit as far as his position, but Pete, there's in, look, you will never, ever not get Pete and I say more D line, more D line, more D line. I don't care. More D line is not a terrible thing. But you start to see some of the names, you know, you know, you have some bigger names that are not obviously de- delivering anymore. Marcel Darius, Michael Brokers, uh, Mike Daniels, uh, Bo Allen, Jordan Phillips, Michael Pierce, Shelby Harris, Jack Crawford, Xavier Williams, um, Vernon Butler, who interesting uh, years ago, and I know uh, he's a Brent Sobolewski favorite. Um, and obviously Chris Jones in Kansas City in that entire situation because they are tight on cash. Then you get to guys like Danny Shelton and uh, obviously uh, Petco, you know, who w- was with the Ravens this year. Uh, Corey Legion, who we were screaming for last year, and then all of a sudden decided to go play somewhere else. Uh, you know, Zach Kerr. I mean, two of the tackles, Pete, in free agency, and you could get to the point where it's maybe two guys and, you know, maybe they're on paper for 8 to $10 million. Get it done. Because you have a player like Sheldon Richardson – and the Vernon situation is going to be something you don't know where that's going to head yet. But you have Sheldon Richardson, who can is literally the move him where you need him type of guy. Um. So look, I I, I think we're going to be in the you know looking for guys. Yeah, we'll see. This is where one of those where you have to let the market sort of set it sort itself out. Um, I was very high on obviously adding. Danny Shelton, who had a great year, and Mike Pinnell, who's getting prepared to play for the Super Bowl after having a really good year for the Chiefs. Almost over it. Thanks for Daniel Aquale. You were right, Hiram. <laughs> he was all we ever needed. Um, you know, the, you know, we can get those guys that are cost efficient that would have been great and exactly what the Browns needed. Um, the guy I'm interested in, as, as I see the band getting back together, is Emmanuel Ogba. I don't think he's going to cost very much. And, because, you know, because obviously another injury. I mean, it's unfortunate uh, that he, he keeps getting hurt because he was having a great year for the Chiefs. Um, but if, if you're looking for a guy that can sort of come in and play multiple roles for you, uh, that that when he's healthy is very productive, he's a guy I'd, I'd be taking a look at that 
you know, could take some something like that Chris Smith type contract that uh, was was you know not really paying off with him. But if you get a guy like Ogba and he can have a healthy season, I think he upgrades that position because we'll see we'll see what happens. I, I, it doesn't look good for Chad right now, um, and and they just need help all over the place. So, although Chad could theoretically be moved to a more of a D tackle role in this defensive scheme, which might actually help him, but he's awful. He's just, just awful. But uh, yeah, I mean, they need, they need more big bodies and they need more guys who can do things like if, if they get Joe Woods and we all expect them to get Joe Woods, like Sheldon Richardson becomes even more valuable than he was before which is interesting because he can do a whole bunch of things where Ogba would be interesting because he can do the same thing too. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, Ogba would be in that, in that mix. And again, from a body type standpoint, Chad Thomas theoretically makes sense, but he's just awful. Um, and obviously <laughs> that allows you to do things with, with Garrett theoretically and, and some of those other things. Uh, one more thing before we sneak in another break. And um, this is actually a really good question. This got sent over to the uh, uh, Lockdown Browns DMs. Guys, you know, they're always open. You, you know, you want something on the show here. Um, there's going to be a lot of smart guys in this room here, Pete. They are going to look at the fact that they're paying two wide receivers $30 million. And you're not counting the rest of the room. In When I first read the question, I was like, eh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Stefanski is coming from this essentially with Thielen and Diggs, but it's definitely something where it makes for an interesting talking point because, you know, you're looking at a wide receiver room, which right now with just two guys is $30 million on your cap. Say that again, salary cap receivers? Well, you have two just alone that are counting for $30 million on your cap. If, if the question is, you know, do these smart folks value that that amount being invested into just two guys at one positional group? Uh, I think so much of that is going to be, um, do they buy in? Again, it, it's very difficult to move Jarvis Landry um, with everything that's going on with him. Uh, it's it's tough. And, and with Beckham, you know, the, the uh, hernia doesn't help. I think that part is, is relatively The fact that it'll be a third team doesn't help. I mean, because smart people also say, well, what's going to be the return on this if we move on from these guys? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's every uh, – there is every incentive for those guys and the Browns to make this work. So that's where I think this is going to go. After that, I don't know. It, that's where it gets problematic. Um, they are like we. I've been harping on this. The money is gone, and you know, we're now, heading into this off season and into next off season, people don't are are, are going to have to come to grips with that. And like people talking about how like the Browns are going to randomly cut Olivier Vernon. No, they aren't because after this season, that money's gone. So yep. you're going to have to basically, you're going to keep him and then hopefully get a compensatory pick out of him because Miles Garrett and, and Olivier Vernon this year are going to make as much as Miles Garrett if makes next year 
potentially more. So, you know, some of those big extensions are coming and that money is going away. They still have to obviously decide on Joe Schobert and some of those things. So, yeah, that, that's going to come to a head. Those guys need to be very, very good this year. And obviously, I think uh, Landry had a much better year, but they just it, 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 they have to be productive. They have to eliminate some of the drops and they can't do some of the things they were doing last year, which I think cost uh, Adam Henry's job. Well, no, and the thing, and look, I mean, and if and we we actually did a probably a twelve to fifteen minute segment on this is they can't be the you know the you know the dudes who love each other playing at the wide receiver position. They need to step up and be leaders of this team. And the fifteen yard penalties, and for most of that, obviously, was Odell. You can't be killing a drive and be really excited. Look, you do it. You get in the end zone, do whatever the hell you freaking want to do. I don't care if you affect the kickoff. Um, but, you know, you catch a 25-yard pass, you get us into the opponent's side of the field, but you drew a 15-yard penalty. No, that, that shit's got to stop. I mean, you're all, you're all grown men now. You're making a boatload of money. You need to act like it and, you know, celebrate accordingly. Um, but, yeah, p- penalties, it's it's BS. Can't have it. Um, and this leads to obviously, you know, Dole Pound Dweller. Um, would you cut Vernon and add Yannick Ngakwe? Look, I, I absolutely love Yannick. I was screaming years ago when he came out. Jets get him. They had him in the building. Please don't let him go. I mean, whatever you do, just make you sell this kid. And they passed on him twice. Uh, great player. But this is where you're not understanding cap manipulation. Um, you, he's going to go, Pete, what, 18? 19 mil per year on somebody's cap. There's no way you can do that and then have Miles Garrett stick around long term. Yeah, uh, it's look, uh, the I, I'm sure somebody can figure out the math on what it would be for the fifth year option for Miles Garrett. I think more than likely, both times they're going to say, We're not doing the fifth year option. We're going to uh, figure out. Hell yeah, we'll pay you now. Very, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to just go ahead and, and, and negotiate like a five year deal. Um, that's going to be astronomical, um, and post to quarterback money. Yeah, and and at that point, Miles Garrett is making again what what he and uh, uh, Vernon were making this year, um, and it's, yeah, it's he's going to make you know there are going to be years where he's making like thirty million dollars or, or somewhere around that. Like y- you are now in a position where you have to find the the other answer. If you're going to keep somebody like Sheldon Richardson around, um, you're going to have to find answers that are on rookie contracts or are at the you know rotational guys that are are at the end of careers and things like that. You can't. So, something has to give at that point. You just can't afford all those guys. And and Gakwe could touch twenty million a year somewhere in that area, but he's going to get a ton. I mean, if he if he gets out, uh, and the Jags can't sort that out obviously you know getting Jalen Ramsey off the books at least you know there's a conversation they can have um, but uh, yeah you don't get Yannick Ngakwe I mean it'd be great to get him because he'd, he'd fit the scheme beautifully but uh, no just no I, I also uh, Eric Armstead thrown out there which would not fit the scheme at least not in the way people think he would and he has 10 sacks this year which brings his total up to 19 in his career. That terrifies me. No, I do not want that. No, and, and this is, I mean, and whether you, you know, 
and look at it. I mean, there's plenty of sites that go over cap type of stuff. Um, you're about to have to extend two number one overall picks and most likely a number four overall pick. The rubber's about to meet the road here in a big, big way. And don't forget about number 24, who was the best, singularly, easily, hands down, the best offensive player on this team last year. There is zero way around that. Uh, one more to sneak in here. Um, open Pit Barbecue, John Vaughn. Uh, John, uh, you know, appreciate your friendship. Uh, appreciate your passion for barbecue. In Vermilion, uh, big Browns fan. Um, specials, sandwiches, um, model, modeled after, you know, some of John's favorite players. Obviously, new stuff every week. Go ahead, check out Open Pit Barbecue. Go ahead. Check out my buddy John Vaughn. Tell him we sent you. Go in. Have yourself a nice meal. Talk some Browns with John and the staff. Um, again, here with, uh, you know, the draft talk. Um, and, it, guys, this is going to be a lot of just weighing and checking every box. This is – it's going to be something different. And it, there won't be – I'm not saying there won't be a couple of we really love this dude – and, you know, there was another question here about Kareem Hunt. Guys, I, I have to feel that character is going to be a huge part in all of this because, you know, if you are making these decisions and you are making them with as much information at hand, it's going to be the, I don't want to get burned by so-and-so, whatever name you want to put there at the end. And every year there obviously are these kids within the draft cycle where Kareem is at now. I can go another route here and I can go another route on a guy who maybe is just as good athletically. And maybe we think he's kind of just as good as tape. And I'm not trying to disrespect Kareem here. Obviously he's got, you know, his NFL track record to this point. But the point is, is with everything they're doing now is they're trying to take every ounce of information, Pete, and not end up getting burnt. And there is no way that character is not going to be part of this. Well, like when it comes to, you know, considering all the information, reliability in terms of staying out of trouble um, is part of that calculation, uh, you know, as, as would injuries be. Um, you're going to try to get all the information possible. And, 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 and um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like it's, it's really – my inclination is they're not going to deal with it. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's really tricky with this. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they, they basically leave them on that original round tender. And, like, if nobody nibbles on it, they sign it and then essentially ship them off for, like, you know, a conditional pick or something. And just to, one, control where he goes, and then, two, get something out of him, but, but not be in a position where you were – you are he seems like he could be a draft. He seems like he could be a draft trade asset where, you know, day three, fourth, fifth round. You know what? There's guys we like here. Um, we didn't create this mistake. We didn't bring this mistake in. Um, yeah, I'll take pick 176, so to speak. And here you go. He's all yours. Yeah, it's, you know, this is one of those things where you, you can sort of negotiate the trade rights on this, but. You know, from the Browns' standpoint, if, if that would make it so they don't 
you know, run to a risk where he's suddenly running for the Ravens next year, or the Steelers. Uh, and, you know, you can trade him to the NFC into a team that you're never going to play. The Saints make a ton of sense. The Lions make a ton of sense. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I think this is going to end up going. And, and this is why I was hoping we'd get to a point where we could move him before he screwed it up. Um, <laughs> that was even the thing. It was like, dude, you had like fucking 45 days. That's all we needed from you was 45. Nope. Couldn't do it because yeah, nobody so, is going to match. Nobody's going to match the third round original tender. Nobody's going to match that. Nobody's going to even bother. Right. So yeah, I think, I think, I think that's where we're going to end up is, is some kind of low pick and just move on. And, you know, not unlike, not unlike the, the trade they did with Josh Gordon. And there will be people who just like Josh Gordon will sit there and go, you know, all you got for Josh Gordon was a kicker. Uh, and, and to me at the time, I said it, and it, my belief was getting anything for him would have been worth it. Cutting him would have been worth it to get him out of there just because of what, what it did to the organization and what it did to sort of the, the team and the fan base. And it, Kareem Hunt doesn't have as much of that baggage and that, you know, relying on him in the way they were Josh Gordon, hoping that he could essentially – uh, you know, save their franchise on offense, but it, it largely comes down to the same thing is, is you don't want to rely on him and you want to get, and you have an opportunity to get something out of you, even if it doesn't feel like much, you're basically looking to get, you may be willing to sacrifice a little talent if it means getting more reliable players. And that's, you know, in that sense, it's sort of like the Patriots, not that they don't take their share of risks on some things but like that's how you end up with the james whites of the world and so those things where they you get guys that fit what you want to do but you can count on them being there and and for me this gets to where i was at with josh gordon the summer before the 18 season was is you know why are you giving special liberties and look it happens guys get special liberties kareem hunt isn't even the best running back on your team and for me at the time was josh gordon we don't even know if he's the best player on your team anymore Miles Garrett had surpassed him. Uh, you would just put a number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. Um, let this go be somebody else's headache. If they get the aspirin and it works out for him, whatever. Amends, amends. But you're a new staff here now, and you don't want to get stuck with at new regime, I should say, was stuck with answering questions that you never bought into. Um, somebody else's problem child, so to speak. Make sure you're checking everything out at Browns Maven on social media. SI.com, you're reading Brown stuff. It's obviously Brown's Maven through Pete and his staff over there. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself at Locked On Browns. All lowercase, follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, shoot any DMs over you need. DMs are open there. Um, appreciate you guys. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Lots more to go. Coordinators to come. Appreciate you all. Everybody, have yourselves a great day.